0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics, coming up. Justin Trudeau says what we do at Christmas depends on what we do now. My six-year-old asked me
1: a few weeks ago, Dad, is COVID-19 forever? I mean, he's in grade one. So this was supposed to be his big year as a big boy. And I'm not even singing in his classroom. This is really difficult. It's a time where we
0: need to do the right thing, we need to lean on each other, we need to use all the tools we can. Has Canada passed a tipping point with more than 10,000 deaths from COVID-19? We have not overloaded I, I think at least the healthcare system but you can see in certain parts of the country we are starting to cancel elective surgeries because uh, uh, beds are being filled up by, by COVID-19 patients so that certainly is concerning. And a new poll suggests most Canadians don't want an election until at least 2022. The stability
1: and certainty of even an imperfect government, one that tends to make a lot of stupid mistakes like the liberals do, um, is still better than the uncertainty of knowing, you know, who might just come sailing in.
0: It's Wednesday, October 28th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Well, thanks for calling, Mark. So let's talk about where we stand with the coronavirus pandemic. We've passed 10,000 deaths in Canada. The Prime Minister is saying that, first of all, he said it really sucks. Uh, he's also saying that we may not uh, be able to celebrate Christmas the way we're we're accustomed to with big family gatherings. Uh, we've already, of course, ruled out doing that at Halloween in most parts of the country. So what do you think about this, uh, this pandemic that I think for a lot of Canadians is lasting much longer than they thought it would, at least the lockdown that results from the pandemic?
1: Well, one of the hardest parts about this whole experience is is its kind of unknown uh, nature, you know, where we're always off in an area of uncertainty and uh, people, it's a human nature to Dislike uncertainty. Most of us can't stand it. We like the stock market and places like that um, are repelled by uncertainty. And um, when this whole pandemic got underway uh, less than a year ago, it seems like forever now, but uh, less than a year ago, um, we had no idea what was going to happen. And I remember reading about these predictions of second waves and uh, and all this and thinking can that really be true but it is true and we still don't have a vaccine we still don't have um a direct therapy uh or treatments that that are effective you know other than really last ditch uh types of uh approaches so there's still a horrible um uh, Rain of uncertainty that faces us all and uh now christmas dragged into it i mean every single event in our family lives and our public lives is going to go through um this same uh, sort of uh, meat grinder of uncertainty and change that is brought about by the uh, by this covid uh infection and the prime minister right is right this sucks everyone feels that way
0: yeah, and uh, it's not going to change, as he points out, unless people start behaving differently. But I think one of the questions people are asking is, is uh, how much of this is being driven by bad behavior and how much of it is being driven by the fact that, for example, schools are open again in many parts of the country, that, that other institutions have returned to normal and that there's an inevitable rise in infections that results from returning to normal activity.
1: Well, I think it's both, Mark. Uh, You know, there's uh, a natural human tendency to want to return to normal uh, day-to-day life. Uh, We all want that. Um, And a lot of governments uh, are are quite prominent in urging return to normalcy, so to speak. Um, So, you know, having schools open is obviously a a troublesome uh, question. I know the, the stress and strain on on teachers and staff seems to be off the scale because they're suddenly arbiters of public safety, which is you know not really in their job description normally. Um, and uh, But at the same time, there are uh, flare ups and people who are disregarding uh, the norms that most of us are accepting. Uh, you know, there's a controversy here in Nova Scotia this week because a group of surfers from Quebec came down to take advantage of the fall gales and the big waves. And they came through without isolating, and uh, you know, so make people are mad. And uh, people are saying, well, the rest of us have to pay attention to these guidelines and rules, why don't they? So there's, there are continuing, I think, and persistent examples of this. And you know what, on social media, you still see people saying, oh, this is all just a hoax, or it's just way overblown, it's only the flu, etc and it's that type of mentality i think that's going to help drag this out much longer uh, than it should
0: all right let's turn to where we stand politically there was a new poll out yesterday that showed the liberals at 38% the conservatives at 32 of course at 38% that's getting the liberals closer to the number they would need for a majority um, there are there was another poll that showed that canadians don't want an election until at least 2022 I find that an interesting poll because most of the time people don't say they want an election even when an election is is coming. Uh, That's not the typical preference of Canadians to to say, bring it on, let's have an election campaign. Um, So given what happened in the by-election results this week, uh, yesterday Green Party leader Annamie Paul was saying her result in the election, her performance should serve as a warning to the Liberals. But there's been a pattern of incumbents winning in provincial elections and in the two federal by-elections recently. What do you think that all adds up to?
1: Well, I think there's, a, you know, uh, people want some certainty. That I don't think they necessarily want to overturn the government in the middle of a pandemic, either provincially or federally. Certainly, those are the results as they seem to play out in uh, in the provincial elections that have been held. Um, you know, the the stability in the polls, because that's really what we're seeing, I think, in that 38 number for the Liberals is stability. It's been a similar number, you know, 35, 36, 37, 38. And the Conservatives and the NDP both seem to be stuck in a trading range as well. So there's no, you know, great throw the buggers out type movement going on right now. Um, And the stability and certainty of even an imperfect government, one that tends to make a lot of stupid mistakes, like the Liberals do, um, is still better than the uncertainty of knowing, you know, who might just come sailing in. Uh, I mean, I'm mystified by the Conservatives' obsession with the we charity issue over the public safety issue that's really on people's minds. But that is part of the stasis, I guess, in in the polls that we're seeing. So, yeah. You know, unless you get a situation where people really want to get rid of the current government, I think, like, say, 2015, to get rid of Harper, um, there isn't uh, often a big urge among the, the general population to have an expensive election and have a bunch of politicians breathing in their faces for uh, for a month. So, you know, yeah, we're willing to go along with the bad situation as long as we feel um, there is uh, some certainty and some stability in the situation. If that goes away, uh, people might very well want an election. And, uh, you know, so the Liberals really have to up their game. Uh, otherwise, I, I think their support's just going to slowly drain away.
0: All right, let's turn to the U.S. election, which is six days away and what it means for Canada uh, to what extent do you think the government is preparing now for the two possible outcomes of that election? I suppose there are multiple outcomes if you take into account the fact that the 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 uh, result might be disputed, but uh, ultimately it's going to be Donald Trump or Joe Biden, who is president in 2021, and there are people saying that while a lot of Canadians would favor Joe Biden as president, uh, that there are... Uh, problematic elements for Canada to his platform. So is the government, do you think, preparing for that?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I I think they're prudently preparing for that. Uh, You know, the boffins over at uh, Foreign Affairs would be preparing the briefing notes, uh, laying out the different uh, possibilities of a Trump or a Biden victory. Um, But I think, you know, in terms of how ordinary Canadians feel, I mean, poll after poll after poll, Uh, demonstrates to me that people loathe Donald Trump, they think he's nuts, and that he's unfit to be president of the United States. I personally think that too. And, you know, I I think most right-thinking Canadians are just scratching their heads at what's going on in the United States. I mean, we all know the place, we travel there, we have family there, and everything just seems to be turned on its head. So, you know, at least if Biden is elected, or if Trump is reined in at the very least, you're going to be able to hopefully proceed again with rational trade talks, you know, without all these tariffs being you know, sort of thrown on at at a moment's notice and at the whim of the president. Uh, you're just going to have a more reliable foreign affairs. NATO might be able to get back and patch up some of its differences. And you know, the whole world, I think, will breathe a sigh of relief that you don't have this uh, flaming cannonball bashing through, uh, you know, relationships around the world. So, you know, Consistency alone is a good thing. Canada is a country in its foreign affairs that likes and appreciates reliability among its partners and friends. And, um, you know, we haven't had that from our most important partner and our and our most dangerous friend for the past uh, almost four years. And it's, uh, I think, high time for that to change. It, it means a lot when you can just pick up the phone and talk to somebody and get a reliable answer. And you can't do that with the Trump administration uh, in Washington.
0: All right, Dan, great to have your comments on all of this today. Thank you.
1: Okay, Mark, thanks for the call.
0: That's Dan Legere, longtime political writer and broadcaster. Over the past months, years, and decades,
1: uh, our systems have uh, consistently failed uh, to adequately protect
2: and support uh, Indigenous peoples and racialized Canadians. And the RCMP has certainly been Uh, part of that.
0: Now here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues the government must either back the RCMP commissioner or replace her. The Star writes, does the government have full confidence in the leadership of Canada's national police force? At this point, it's far from clear... And that's a problem at a time when the RCMP is under intense criticism. The Prime Minister has had multiple opportunities to put doubts to rest, but he hasn't taken them. Either get Commissioner Lucky on the road to success and make it clear that you back her, or clear the decks by bringing in fresh leadership. In the Hamilton Spectator, Fred Hahn argues in times of crisis, government must spend, not scrimp. Hahn writes... Politicians often compare household and government budgets. They tell us they're both about balancing income against spending. But there's an important difference. For a household in crisis, cutting spending and saving money is usually a key response. But for a government, which represents many people and communities with different challenges, the best response in times of crisis is more spending and more investment in the public services we rely on. In the National Post, Colby Koch argues the Saskatchewan election was the first electoral test for Wexit. Kosh writes, The Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan ran only 17 candidates in particularly friendly ridings and has not yet been able to hold a convention of any kind. It was practically the definition of an improvised effort. Despite this, on the basis of Saskatchewan's preliminary vote count, they are now the province's third most popular party. Four Buffalo Party candidates finished in second place, ahead of the New Democrats. Only one finished as low as fourth. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Bank of Canada will announce its interest rate decision this morning and release its quarterly
2: monetary policy report. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on that. Mark, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, Bank of Canada Governor Tiff Macklem will announce the bank's trend-setting interest rate. Then at 11 a.m., he will host a video conference call to discuss the bank's monetary policy. There's not expected to be any surprise, and in fact no change in the bank's interest rate, which is expected to remain at 0.25%. And in fact, there may be a commitment from the bank personnel to keep it there for the foreseeable future. The bank is credited with helping pull Canada out of the deepest downturn since the Great Depression with both its low interest rate and with the fact that it now owns about a third of Canada's federal government debt. So one of the questions that may be put to bank officials is whether they have any plan for weaning the Canadian economy off of the bank's asset purchases. The other question will be what kind of forecast the bank has in its monetary policy report. In its July report, the bank pointed out that more than 40% of the losses of the first wave of the pandemic had been recouped in the second quarter, and the bank didn't foresee any notable growth until next year. Well, now we may see a forecast that is less optimistic as we head into the pandemic's second wave. So look for uh, a very moderate and maybe even slightly pessimistic outlook for the next quarter from the Bank of Canada.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will attend the Liberal caucus meeting and question period. He will take part in a virtual discussion with women from business and social services sectors in Peel region. The discussion will be moderated by Minister of Diversity, Bardish Chagger. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will deliver a virtual keynote speech to the Toronto Global Forum. She will attend question period before speaking virtually to the Chamber of Commerce of Metropolitan Montreal. The Conservative National Caucus will meet in Ottawa. And Small Business Minister Mary Ng will speak at the virtual trade mission to South Korea. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, October 28th. Tune into primetime politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.